hope your heart is full as well. And I hope it still has a little bit of room for God's word today. I so appreciate Pastor David's intentionality in his prayer because a day like this brings multiple emotions for people. Um, And it doesn't just affect women. There are some men that are affected in some ways by Mother's Day because they miss their mom on Mother's Day and other ladies who wish they had a mom still. And so this day uh, causes you to reflect back on the mom you used to have, but maybe she's in heaven now or whatever the case might be. And so I understand that mixed with a lot of gladness today is, is maybe some sadness. I, I do understand and say amen to David's prayer about women here who in God's sovereignty, he's chosen for you to struggle with infertility. My wife and I were on that road uh, for five years before God blessed us with a child. And there were days like Mother's Day that, that were definitely more sorrow than happiness. And, and so I never want the Lord's Day to feel like that for anybody. Um, but I know that days like this might cause some ladies to feel that way. And so just know I'm praying with you. And Jenny's praying with you. And we have empathy for that struggle and are praying for God's will to be done in your life. But I am going to bring a special Mother's Day message today. I feel like God has pointed me in this direction in His Word this week. I feel like I got something from God's Word that will be a great help to the women in our church. If you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 31. The very last chapter in the book of Proverbs. Chapter number 31. With God's help, I want to, I want to preach this special message That I've titled Wisdom and Womanhood. Wisdom and Womanhood. I think you'd agree that according to our culture, a woman's identity is tied to such things as her outward appearance and, and even her own inner strength. But as we look on scripture, we see that it casts a completely different vision of womanhood. According to the Bible, women have intrinsic value based on God's good design. According to the Bible, women can be a blessing to others based on God's grace and wisdom in them. I find it really interesting that this book of wisdom that we call Proverbs culminates specifically in the portrait of a woman who reflects God's wisdom, not the world's wisdom. So follow along as I read Proverbs 31 Verses 10 through 31. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night. And giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are cold with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, her clothing is silk and purple. 
Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Wisdom and womanhood. Could you say amen to that portion of scripture? Now, before we jump into the message, the first thing I I need to do is just pause and point out a few really important things. First, what I just read is a picture of a perfect woman. Literally, in this proverb, we hear nothing about any imperfection in her at all. Think about what we just read. We read about how godly she is, how wise she is, what a wonderful wife and mother she is. She's a homemaker. She's a great cook who makes food for her family. She makes clothes for her children with her own bare hands. She gets up before everyone else gets up and she goes to bed after everyone else goes to bed. Her light never goes out. She's strong. She's humble. She's confident. She's a servant. She's a leader. She's an entrepreneur who's out in the world making good business deals and buying property for the benefit of her family. And on top of all of that, she loves and cares for the poor. It's like we're given a picture of the Bible's own wonder woman. I point that out because I think some and maybe many women can easily hear a passage like this. And instead of being encouraged, are tempted to come away discouraged. They're thinking, man, I can never be like that. That preacher's going to tell me to be like that. There may be even single men in here that read this passage and think, I got to find a wife who's like that. Perfect. Married men may read this passage and think, I wish my wife was like that. Don't say amen, men. There's a right time to say amen and a wrong time to say amen. Choose it wisely, especially on Mother's Day. All those thoughts are really an unhealthy way to look at this passage of Scripture. And I want you to think about it. Because we can go to the pages of the Bible, over to the New Testament, to the life of Jesus, and what do we behold? We behold a perfect man. Right? He was a man who perfectly displayed the wisdom of God. And as followers of Jesus, we don't look at him and say, I'm so discouraged by his perfection. We're encouraged by it. He is what we could never be. Christian men don't look at Jesus and get discouraged and say, man, I'll never be like Jesus. Single women don't look at Jesus and think, I got to find a husband who's perfect like Jesus. Nor do married women say, I expect my husband to be like Jesus. Instead, what do we do? We look at Jesus and say, he's a perfect picture of the wisdom of God. So I want to try my best with God's help to reflect him more and more and more. In the same way, we're to look at this portrait of a perfectly wise woman. Why? So that we can see the wisdom of God. And so that we can be inspired to want to reflect that wisdom the best we can, even if we fail. 
Now, here's my burden today, women. Listen, we live in a world where what it means to be a woman is twisted. It's cheapened. It's perverted. It's distorted and it's redefined at every turn. In the midst of this culture, we desperately need to hear what God says about womanhood. So then what are the characteristics of a Christ-like woman that God calls us to promote in the lives of the women across this church today? And women, what does the word call you to be and to become? The answer in Proverbs 31 is really unique because in the original language of the Old Testament, this is actually an acrostic. Every verse in the poem, starting in verse 10 all the way down to verse 31, pay attention here, it begins with a different letter of the 22-letter Hebrew alphabet. If it were English, it would be like a poem where the first word in the first verse begins with the letter A, then the second verse with B, and so forth, all the way to Z. And it was written like that so that it would be easier to remember. This means the arrangement of this poem that we're going to study is not like Paul's writing, for instance, in the book of Rome, uh, Romans, where, where he's making a, an argument in which each point builds on the previous point. No, in, in Proverbs 31, we have a list of one thing after another. Some things are similar, uh, some things are different, and then some things are mentioned in one verse, and then they're repeated ten verses later. So I thought I'd just structure my sermon the same way. Based on this passage, I want to give you an acrostic today. Now, I won't be using the letters of the Hebrew alphabet because nobody knows Hebrew. Nor will I use the letters of the English alphabet because no one's got time for a 26-point sermon. That's not a good time to say amen either. I'm going to take the word woman, five letters, and think about the wisdom of God with that acrostic, hopefully in a way that will keep the characteristics of this woman in your mind and heart for a long time. We'll start with the letter W. First of all, a Christ-like woman is wise. That works out pretty well that W is the first letter. Because wisdom is the overarching theme, not only the portrait of this excellent woman, but of the entire book of Proverbs. In fact, early on in Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman. Proverbs chapter 3 says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Watch here. She, wisdom, she is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. That's how Proverbs starts. Then when you get to the end of the book, the same words used for wisdom are now used to describe this woman. Verse 10 says that her price, just like wisdom's price, is far above rubies. Meaning the wise woman is incredibly valuable. What makes her that way? Well, verse 30 of our text tells us it's because this woman fears the Lord. The fear of God, the, the reverence of God, the worship of God is what makes a woman wise. It's what makes a woman so valuable. The fear of God, listen ladies, it stands far and above looks and education and personality and accomplishments, likes and and dislikes or any other characteristic. A woman who fears the Lord is more precious than the finest of jewels. So ladies, be this. 
Be a woman who fears and reveres and worships and loves God supremely. Husbands in the congregation, nurture this in your wife. Single men, look for this in a woman. Church, promote this. Women who fear God. And notice in our text that because this woman feared God, her future has no fear. Look at verse 21. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Look at verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. That word rejoice can also be translated as laughter. This woman is so confident that she's laughing at her uncertain future, even if it includes a really hard winter. I love that line. It's like Satan is dangling in front of this woman, worry about tomorrow's troubles and what might happen. And and then she sees that. Then she glances up to the almighty God whom she fears and loves and adores. And she's not worried. She's not anxious. But instead, the woman starts laughing. It seems like so much anxiety and fear and worry cripple women today. Satan tempts ladies in this way every day. So I want you to hear the word of God. When you fear the Lord, you have nothing else to fear. Nothing. You have nothing to worry about. Your life is in the hands of God. He loves you and he is committed to providing for you. Here's another result of the woman who fears God. Her beauty, the text says, will never fade. Did you notice what is almost entirely missing from this description of the Christ-like woman? There's hardly any mention of her physical beauty. The one thing our world tends to exalt above everything else is outward appearance. Our world is screaming. It is screaming in thousands of ways. Businesses are spending billions of dollars. Entertainment industries are spending countless hours to convince women of their need for self-esteem and their need for self-fulfillment and their need for self-significance found in looking a certain way. But the word of God says in verse 30 of our text, so loud and so clear, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth God She shall be praised. Ladies, hear this from the word. Spend more time focusing on fearing God than what you look like in the mirror. This is the beginning of wisdom. A reverence and love for God, listen to me, is a beauty that will never fade no matter how old you get. In fact, the more you fear God, the more beautiful you become. And tell me that's not countercultural. Because this world, ladies, wants to preserve your young looking face all the way through your 80s. So I'm telling you, there are multi-billion dollars spent around the world from ladies who want to look younger. Why? Because we're so vain. I'm trying to help you today. Like you were born to die. And so was I. And there comes a time in our life where our body just just starts looking old. So do what you can, but don't make it your idol. 
Don't fall into the world's trap that you got to be shaped a certain way and look a certain way until you actually get put in a coffin. That's a lie. And men, don't promote that. Men, don't pressure your wife in that way. Single men, don't look for that. Yeah, the woman that you want to marry, she probably ought to be pretty to you. It's a good idea. But at the end of the day, if beauty is all she's ever worried about, then on the inside there might be some vanity. So the first mark of a Christ-like woman is wisdom, which fundamentally means she fears God. Now let's look at the letter O. It stands for overseer. Meaning the Christ-like woman honorably oversees her home. Now I want to be careful in how I use this word overseer because we see throughout the Bible the leadership role of a husband in the home. And men, you ought to be leading your home. So, So when I say overseer this morning, I'm speaking more in terms of a manager. The woman's home in Proverbs 31, as we read, is operating like it does. It's flourishing like it is because of her careful oversight and management. And how do we know that? Because of how the others in her home view her. Verse number 11, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. That is a beautiful statement that her husband trusts her with his heart. This is fascinating because almost everywhere in scripture other than right here and one other verse in Judges, we are told to not trust anything or anyone other than God. Don't trust this and don't trust that. It's all throughout the pages of scripture. But here in Proverbs 31, we have a picture of a husband who trusts his wife. And because he can trust her with his heart, he can also trust her with his household. Then look at verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. The whole picture here is one of a wife who's cared for her home and who loves her husband in such a way that he's actually gained good standing in the community around him. Now this verse might seem out of place in this passage about the excellent woman because it's talking about the excellence of her husband in this verse. But that is precisely the point. He's excelling in what he does because his wife is excelling in what she does. And I think about my own life today. I could spend all day on this. There is absolutely no question that anything good in me is a result first of God's grace in my life and second because of God's grace in my wife. That is a good time to say amen, men. There is no way, and I don't, I'm not exaggerating this because I'm supposed to say this on Mother's Day. There's no way I could be who I am or I could do what I do if it weren't for Jenny Lee. No way. We were at the dinner table. Kevin even notices this. We were at the dinner table the other night. And he just outright said, and I don't know what made him say it, but he just said, Mom, if something ever happens to you, Dad wouldn't know how to do anything. <laughs> and after I hit him with a quick backhand, I said, you know what? You're right, son. You're right. I was a little offended that he doesn't think I can do anything. But here's what I'm thankful for. He realizes the value of his mother. And that leads to the next thing that happens as a result of a woman's wise oversight in the home. Because not only does the husband trust her, her children bless her. Verse 27, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. In other words, she's not lazy. So her children arise up and call her blessed. The mother and the woman who works diligent for her family. The Bible says that woman is worthy of praise. Praise. 
It's at this point, I I just want to pause and point out how this is totally being undercut and undervalued, even contradicted in a culture around us. We live in a day when the idea of a woman laying down her life to love her kids is almost seen as second class. Like a backseat to more important things in the world or even a waste of a woman's talents. But may I ask you, is there really any job more important than being a mom? I'm using the word job here because this is a role and responsibility that requires training. And a little orientation. And preparation and dedication on a day-by-day basis. It seems like this woman in Proverbs never even sleeps. And that is the point. Caring for a home is literally a seven day a week, 24 hour a day job. And I can't think of a job that is more important than caring for children to the glory of God. I once read an article and I, I want to quote from it extensively. Because it is so good. The author says few women realize what great service they are doing for mankind and for the kingdom of Christ when they provide a shelter for the family and good mothering. The foundation on which all else is built. A mother builds something far more magnificent than any cathedral. She builds the dwelling place for an immortal soul. Both her child's fleshly tabernacle and his earthly abode. No professional pursuits so uniquely combine the most menial task with the most meaningful opportunities. I need to read that sentence again. No professional pursuits so uniquely combine the most menial task with the most meaningful opportunities. It's hard to locate an aging mother who believes she's made a mistake pouring her life into her children. It would certainly be more difficult to find a child to testify that his mother loved him and poured herself into his life to his detriment and demise. Being a mother is not a destructive drought of usefulness, but an overflowing oasis of opportunity. It is not a dreary call to contain one's talents and skills, but a brilliant catalyst to channel creativity and energies into meaningful work. It is not oppressive restraint of intellectual prowess for the community, but a release of wise instruction to your own household. It is not the bitter assignment of inferiority to your person, but the bright assurance of the ingenuity of God's plan. It is neither limitation of gifts available nor stinginess in distributing the benefits of those gifts, but rather the multiplication of a mother's legacy to the generations to come and the generous bestowal of all God meant a mother to give to those he entrusted to her care. And I say amen to that. Wives and moms across this church today be affirmed and be honored through the word of God for the careful oversight you give in your home to the glory of the Father. Listen, even if you do work outside of your home, and many of you do, and I want you to know, that is just fine. That's okay. But be assured that all the work you do in your home is immeasurably valuable according to the Bible. And don't underestimate for a second That those seemingly menial tasks are taking advantage of wonderfully meaningful opportunities. Let's move on to the third letter, the letter M. It stands for mighty. I use this word because two times in the text, the woman is described as dressed or clothed with strength. Verse 17, she girdeth her loins with strength and she strengtheneth her arms. Verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing. It's interesting. 
Even the form of this poem, when you study it, is written a lot like poems to military heroes that are written in Israel's history. But this one is written not to recount the valor and and the might of a soldier, but rather of a woman. Consider all she does. There's no, no wonder he calls her strong. She works with her hands. She gets out of bed to work before it's even light outside. She's even business savvy as she goes to a field and buys it. Literally, she explores and finds a piece of land to purchase. All this while she's got a little cottage industry going on down in verse 24, making linen garments and selling them and then delivering them to merchants for profit. The picture here is of a woman who's using the time and talents God has given her, even the role God has given her wisely with with innovation and with an industrious spirit. Now, now obviously, different women have have different abilities and and different gifts. The picture here is not that you got to do everything this woman did. The picture here is that you need to have the same spirit this woman had. Whatever gifts and abilities God has given you, You need to use those with all your might for his glory and the good of others. Notice the fourth letter, A. It stands for attractive. I'm not talking about worldly attraction. I'm talking about biblical attraction. Attractive for all the right reasons. Now, I mentioned earlier that this text hardly mentions physical attraction. But here is a slight and, and I think significant mention of it. But not in ways we might expect. Certainly in not ways we hear emphasized in our culture. Notice in verse 26. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. You know what makes this woman attractive first of all? Her words make her attractive. Her her attractiveness is not necessarily found in the way she looks. It's found in the way she talks. How does she talk? Simultaneously With a measure of wisdom and a measure of kindness. Maybe if it were written today, the proverb would read this way. This this woman sent text messages with wisdom and kindness. This woman posted on social media with wisdom and kindness. They say that the more rare something is, the more value it has. And I would say that women today who are genuinely kind with their words are actually a very rare thing. And that's what makes a kind speaking woman so attractive. Because today it is so rare. In a day where women just have to be heard and have to prove their equal value and role in society, I feel in some ways... It has taken the law of kindness away from the spirit of a woman. And so, ladies, I know this is simple, but be kind. Be kind. There's not a whole lot of attraction in a lady that just, I just speak my mind. There's not a lot of attraction in in, in someone who, who is snippy and snarky and short demeaning with their sarcasm. Just be kind. Young ladies, be kind. Be kind to your friends. Be kind to your mother. Be kind to your father. Be kind to your teachers. Like, you want to be attractive? It's not just in taking care of your body. It's in letting the Spirit of God work in you a spirit of kindness. It's amazing. Something else that makes a woman attractive is her dress and her demeanor. 
If, if we're not careful, particularly in the light of verse 30's warning against charm and beauty, I think we might be inclined to think uh, that how this woman cares for herself physically doesn't even matter at all. But that's not totally the case. Even in, in the description of a woman who's working all day long, the proverb depicts her dressed in fine linen and purple. Now, again, we need to guard against misunderstanding. This isn't saying that she's out planting a vineyard in an elegant dress. Or is it saying that, that a Christ-like woman needs a certain brand of clothes? The picture is a woman whose dress is tasteful, whose demeanor is delightful in a way that is attractive to her husband. Not attracted to other men. Attractive to her husband. Keep in mind that the Bible is not anti-physical attraction when it comes to men and women. What did Adam say when he saw Eve? Whoa, man. Woman. Whoa, man. I mean, God, God made attraction. All you got to do is turn two books to the right. It's called Song of Solomon. And you're going to get an awkwardly detailed portrait of physical attraction. You want to read it? No, okay. The picture here is a woman who attracts her husband in all the right ways. Right? Her words are kind. Not bossy, not demeaning, not angry. Her dress is tasteful. Her demeanor is delightful. And listen, ladies, you won't be perfect at this. You don't have to be. You know why? Because your husband isn't perfect at this. Sometimes he's a jerk. Sometimes he's angry. And sometimes he puts things before you. So I get it. I get it. No one, I'm not calling you to, to, to be perfect, but I am calling you to think of your attractiveness in the way the Bible does. Like if you want to work on anything that will make you pretty to your husband for like the duration of your marriage, work on your words. Work on your demeanor. Work on your spirit. Let's move on to our last point, the letter N. It stands for neighbor. Neighbor. Amidst all her oversight in her home and all of her industry innovation, she's a businesswoman. I'm thankful for the businesswomen in our church that happen to be successful at it. I'm thankful for you. But she's not selfish. She's not hoarding what she has. She's a neighbor to the needy. Verse 20 tells us, she stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. I love this picture, ladies. And I'm almost done. Watch. It's not the poor coming to her. It's her going to the poor. She doesn't wait for opportunities to help those in need. She creates opportunities to help the needy. And think of all she teaches her children and her husband for that matter. In the process of giving so generously and serving sacrificially. In this description in Proverbs 31, almost every verse is dripping with self-sacrificial service. She's doing what she's doing for the sake of those in need. Both inside of her home and outside of her home. And this is so, so different than the world's definition of womanhood today. The world screams, advance yourself. Look out for yourself. Stand up for yourself. Meanwhile, God's word speaks in such a clearly countercultural way. Die to yourself. Deny yourself. Love God first. And love your neighbor second. 
To be clear, this doesn't mean, ladies, that you just let people take advantage of you, run all over you, or that you continue to do things that somebody could do for themselves. You know what it means? It means you just live with an other's first mindset, loving your neighbor as yourself. Proverbs 31, I think, is an amazing picture of womanhood. The woman who's wise, the woman who carefully oversees her home, the woman who's mighty in her work, the woman who's attractive in all the right ways, and the woman who looks for opportunities to be a neighbor to those in need. So as we close today, we, we've got to ask this question that every preacher asks as he's writing a message. So what? So what? What does this mean for me? Well, to the women in here today, I want to encourage you to reflect on these characteristics. Ask God to help you grow in, in, in these ways, to become more and more the woman of God that in his love and wisdom he's created you to be. Women, women, listen, don't stop growing. Don't stop growing. And don't forget, the Bible isn't calling you to be perfect. Just take another step toward Jesus today. I feel obligated to say this to the women in our church who strive to be Christ-like, and we have so many of you. Thank you for your example. These young ladies can look around and they can see more than just their mother who is wise. They can see women of God in our congregation every week that have given themselves to love their families, to love their Lord, to, to love their church. And I'm so thankful our church has a congregation full of women that just love Jesus. To the married men in here, do we got any of you in here? Say amen, men. All right, married men. What, is, what does Proverbs 31 mean to you? Well, I've got to encourage you first. Don't go home and say, I hope you listen to that preacher today. <laughs> For so many reasons, don't even let that get into your mind. Here's what I want you to do, sir. Listen. Find some time today to affirm your wife in all the specific ways in which she reflects God's wisdom in her life. Think of the acrostic, W-O-M-A-N. Which one does your wife reflect and write or speak? Thank you. Ongoing, beyond Mother's Day, find ways that you can praise her for the ways in which she fears God. Some of you are thinking, well, what about the ways in which she needs to grow? Ask yourself this, sir. How can I help her grow in this way? Not guilt her into growth. Not manipulate her growth. Not whine until she does grow. How can I better serve her? Better lay down my life for her? Better pray for her? Better care for her? Better cherish her? And nurture Christ's likeness in her. By the way, Ephesians 5, that is your job. To the single men in here today, pursue a wife like this. Are you hearing me, young men? Adult single men, pursue a wife like this. Like this. Your takeaway from studying God's word today might be something simple. Ask a Proverbs 31 girl out on a date. You have a word from God to pursue a, a wise woman. But in the process, watch here, single man. In the process of finding a wife, become a man who a wife like this wants as a husband. Do not expect a Proverbs 31 woman if you are not in some ways a Proverbs 31 man.
Finally, to our church at large today. We are filled with sisters in Christ who are tempted at every turn to confusion in the culture around us about what it means to be a woman in the image of God. Every sister here today needs our church pointing her to the beauty of God's design for women. That's why we have a ladies' ministry. We want to point them to what a godly woman looks like. It's, it's why on a regular basis, as much as I can as a pastor, I need to praise the godliness of the women in our church. I want to promote women that fear God and love God and worship God because this world is telling our sisters in Christ that they need to be something other than what God created them to be to feel happy. And that's not the truth, man. God created you with an amazing amount of value and design. And as a church, we ought to nurture that in our young ladies and our young women. I want to close in a very unique way. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but we're not going to do a traditional invitation. Instead, I want every girl and woman in our congregation to stand to your feet today. Please, would you do that? Even if you're a guest, I know you're uncomfortable, but stand to your feet for a moment. I want to ask my wife to come, a wise woman of God. And I want my wife to pray over these women in our congregation who are standing. And women, I want you to know I am so grateful for you. I mean that as appropriate as I can say it. I'm thankful for you. Thank you for raising your families. Thank you for loving your husband. Thank you for working hard. Thank you for your industrious spirit. Thank you for honoring the Lord and fearing the Lord even during hard times and lonely times in your life. Single women, thank you for your patience today, waiting on God. Women who are infertile, thank you for trusting God today. Hang in there. We love you. We're praying for you. You have a difficult job. But God will help you. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for a day that we get to celebrate mothers and the influence that they have in our lives. I pray that all of the ladies in this room, whether they are a mom, an expectant mom, not a mom yet, or maybe never will be, that we would all see opportunities to love and encourage those around us who are in need of a spiritual mother influence. Lord, I thank you for all the ways that you choose to use the women in this congregation to teach our children to point them to you. Your word says that children are a heritage from God, and I thank you for the opportunity that you have given mothers to love, to nurture, to shepherd our children for your glory. We know that we cannot do it on our own, so I pray and ask you that you would grant us your wisdom, your grace, your patience, and your kindness so that through us our children will see you. God, I pray for those in this room today who are struggling, struggling because they have lost their mother or possibly they don't even have the relationship they want with their mother here on earth. 
Please give those hurting your presence, your peace, and your comfort today, God. Please help them to praise you and trust you even when it's hard and even through their sadness. Lord, I pray for those women in this room that long to have children. But for whatever reason, it has not happened yet. So I pray, God, that you would be their strength when they are weak. And that you would see their tears and hear their cries and be exactly what they need you to be. I pray that on a day like this that brings remembrance and a heavy-heartedness to that realization, God, I pray that you would be that very thing that they cling to. Give them peace. Give them comfort. I also pray for those mothers who have children, but they're already with you. I pray you would calm their hearts and comfort in ways that only you can, God. And God, I'm so thankful that you pursue each of us in order to have a relationship with you. I pray if someone does not know you today, that this Mother's Day, they would fully turn to you and accept you as God in their lives. We love you, God. We're thankful for you, God. And we long to be what you would have us to be in this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.